All right, guys, thank you. Uh, welcome to the number one podcast. I am your host, Coach Jake. I uh, hope you guys are doing good, man. Crazy week. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to continue today. Uh, I've got a busy day, so we're going to keep this one relatively short. It'll probably still go maybe, oh, it'll definitely go over a half hour. <clears throat> will not go over an hour. I've got like a crazy schedule uh, today. Um, I'm doing a, for those of you in Denver, downtown by the ballpark uh, at Thrive Workplace Ballpark. You can look it up, Google it, find it on Google Maps. 4.30, I will be there. We're hosting the uh, free 10X Denver Meetup. So I uh, hope to see you guys uh, at that. And then um, what else do I got going? Then I'm signing up the second affiliate for the Scientific Wrestler uh, affiliate program. Super duper excited about that. Um, we are, my target is to get 100, uh, full affiliates. Uh, that is gyms that are flying the scientific wrestling banner and are in the scientific wrestling family and on the mission, a complete alternative to say jujitsu based grappling systems. Scientific wrestling offers you uh, an incredible system. You can check it all out, scientificwrestler.com. Today, I wanted to talk about, yes, I'm going to continue expanding on the topic uh, of this signature talk I'm working on called Wrestling with Greatness. There are five pillars, right? The first pillar, get real or have that man in the mirror or that rock bottom moment. Two, find an obsession, something that's a healthy obsession uh, that you would that you're into even if you're not making money from it. Uh, three was to take risks, calculated risks. Four, you guys remember this by now? I've like repeated this over and over and over again. Um, uh, number four, after uh, taking risks, was uh, and now I'm I'm pulling a brain fart. So number uh, oh, take massive amounts of action. Like, you have to put in tremendous amounts of effort to make this happen. And then the fifth pillar is people, okay? Now, I want to talk a little bit about this first part. I'm going to go, you know, I'm kind of jumping around because I'm still putting this idea, the ideas together. And you're on the journey with me. Um, and I appreciate that a lot. So, um, the um, I want to talk about this idea of what happens, what is it that's really uh, cooking when you um, uh, get real, right? The first pillar. What what does that mean? What what, are the, what is the and I want I want to talk to it talk to you about it in the context of this concept that I first was made aware of by a libertarian thinker and writer and presidential candidate. You you may never have heard of him. Brilliant guy, brilliant guy. He's passed away. Uh, his name is Harry Brown. Harry Brown. Okay, he wrote this book. Man, I think it was in the seventies. Might have been early eighties. I can't remember. Sorry, you know, I'm a book nerd, but I can't remember when everything was published. But I'm pretty sure it was in the seventies. And the name of the book was, and I love this book. This is if you could find. I think they sell a digital copy now. Uh, yeah, cause I bought it. Um, I have a hard copy as well. These are, this is a fantastic book. The name of the book 
is how I found freedom in an unfree world. That's a, that's a heavy concept, first of all, right? Because for those of us that are very interested in this concept of human liberation and in more of the actual like political sense, and I hate politics, but uh, in the sense of free from other people to do as you want to do as long as you don't harm anybody, right? That's the context in which he's talking about. And we don't live in a free world. Everything, there, so much is heavily regulated. Now, America is still, believe it or not, it's becoming less and less so, but it's still a relatively free country. The American dream is not dead. You could still uh, make make a name for yourself and become quite successful from nothing. That's, in fact, the whole theme of this podcast. No one to number one. The number one podcast, right? So that's the theme of this podcast, and it's possible. And that's what I love about that book. And it's pretty timeless. Uh, even though it was written in the 70s, it's still very, very relevant. How I found freedom in an unfree world. And this is relevant not just in freedom in the political sense, okay? He stumbles on this concept in this book. Well, he doesn't stop. He, he elucidates this concept that I think is, is priceless. This is such a great thing to be aware of. And it's what he calls identity traps. And this is some heavy stuff. Basically, an identity trap is and and this is so prescient, so forward thinking, so predictive of the future that he was coming up with this. Because if we look right now, there's something known as identity politics. Have you heard of this? How everybody's got to be have an identity. Oh, I'm African American. Oh, I'm lesbian. Oh, I'm whatever and it's the it's this idea that you as a human being can be fit into a checkbox on a government form or a corporate form right that that you have an identity okay now first of all it's total fucking bullshit it's a complete illusion and i mean i don't want to get all buddhist and shit here but your identity is an illusion as well okay it's a it's a constructed useful tool used by the human mind to operate especially amongst other human beings and to differentiate yourself, right? So it's not a real thing, but it is a useful thing. I mean, it's real in the sense of like your username is real for Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. By the way, in celebration, I mentioned this to the Instagram uh, live people, but uh, in celebration of Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter and hopefully a uh, renaissance uh, a revival of uh, some free speech online because we aren't, you know, we get all censored everywhere nowadays. <coughs> Excuse me, pardon my uh, allergies. Uh, I have started to stream, live stream to Twitter. So if you have a Twitter account, please follow me there. It's just at Jake Shannon, one word. Very simple. I think I got like 6,000 followers or something. I have no idea how I got that many followers on there. But um, 
I'd appreciate it. Follow me if you are a tweeter. Um, now you can follow actually this uh, podcast, this live stream on Twitter as well, at Jake Shannon on Twitter. So, um, yeah, anyway, identity traps. Okay, so here's the deal, man. An identity trap is exactly that. Trying to fit you, which is an incredibly complex, nuanced being where sometimes there are blurred lines and just things aren't sure and they change into a firm, fixed identity. Okay? Does that make sense? So uh, just think of those dumb checkboxes on government forms. Are you Native American? Are you uh, Latino, not Hispanic? Are you white, not Hispanic? Like, I don't know. Fuck. They got all these dumb things. Are you male? Are you female? Are you blah, 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 blah? Are you cisgendered? They're trying to get you to put yourself into a box. That's why it's called a trap. Okay? You're putting yourself into a box. And anybody who has uh, paid Ancestry.com or 23andMe or any of these and you spit the vial and they centrifuge it, you learn that race is bullshit. These are constructs. Bullshit. Okay? So, um... There's no such thing as black or African. I mean, I got some freaking African in me. I got Neanderthal. Where's my Neanderthal checkbox and all the fucking government forms? So the point is, is these are traps. This is the point that Harry Brown was making. Okay. So, you know, part of this idea of rock bottom and how this is relevant in, in this, this framework, these five pillars of greatness that I am expanding upon and exploring in this wrestling with greatness signature talk that I'm developing is that many times part of the reason why you can, you're stuck right now, perhaps, I don't know. I don't know you. You're just randomly listening to this, hopefully. Um, part of the reason why you're having challenges in your life is because you may be trapped as Harry Brown suggests, you may be trapped in your identity into this construct, right? Oh, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I can do this, I can't do that. A lot of times that's bullshit. You just don't know. and Or somebody has told you and you believe them, right? So, you know, I think one of the things that's important is that um, when you want to to change, for example. So, you know, in my, in my coaching endeavors, you know, with, with, uh, Thales coaching, thalescoaching.com, check it out, please. T-H-A-L-E-S coaching.com. Just click over there, check it out, see all the things that I can help you with. But a lot of that is helping people transition from, you know, really my trip, my whole trip is, I, I am pretty much, uh, uh, freedom, obsessed individual liberty like I, I want individuals to be free meaning that they have more control more options more things that they feel they can do in their life because life is short and as far as I know we only get one go around maybe you get reincarnated I don't shit I don't know all I know is that I got this one and I want to be able to live the life with as many options and and experiences as I possibly, and that's freedom to me, optionality, 
Okay. So, so, um, a lot of times I'm spending time freeing people from these, um, you know, like in, in, in a lot of this personal development, they're like, oh, you got limited beliefs and you need mindset coaching and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Okay. But it's because you're in an identity trap, right? And so a lot of that work is like getting you free from it. And again, this book, uh, how I found freedom in an unfree world by Harry Brown, highly, highly recommended. I read it decades ago in the nineties and it was a very, very useful book. But I think that a lot of people get stuck. Like, you know, I, I help people become entrepreneurs because I think that is a, a, a first way in which you can really become free, right? So, um, becoming an entrepreneur is is really taking responsibility. It's no longer expecting a job, expecting a paycheck. It's going out and producing value. Things that other people find valuable enough that they give you money for. That's really what entrepreneurship is about, whether it's a service or a product, okay? So so what that affords you is, okay, so I think a lot of people, when they have a job, they feel safety and security and all, but they, again, that's an illusion. At some level of a job, there is an entrepreneur or owner who created or is in charge of running that business. They're the ones exposed to the fluctuations and the volatility of the, of the revenue streams and the cash flows. You're hidden from it because you get a salary. But the problem with being hidden from those volatilities is that you are ignorant. And so when you get a pink slip because you're getting laid off because there is no longer demand for your company's product or service, the one that you're getting, the, they can't pay you anymore. And now you're out in the dark, okay? And so literally you're one cash flow away from poverty if you just are relying on a job. I mean, I think a lot of people found this out during COVID most recently, but every financial crisis, scores and scores of people learn this the hard way. So it's important to, your average millionaire has 10 different, or uh, seven different revenue streams. Uh, do you understand? So it diversifies their cash flow a bit. So they're not beholden. But guess what? If you're an entrepreneur and you have a business, if I have a company with 300 clients, I have 300 bosses. That sounds awful, right? Until you realize I don't have to kiss any one of their asses necessarily. I mean, I have to provide great service, have a great relationship with them, a wonderful reputation, but I don't have to compromise my principles or do anything because if, if they're a piece of crap, and they're a piece of shit, I still have 299 other bosses. I could actually fire my boss and not have put myself at risk. Do you understand? So this is one of the things that I think is so crucially important about being an entrepreneur is it's actually safer. Not at the beginning when you're starting out, but ironically, you're in very much the similar uh, same boat as when you have one boss. When you have... You're building up to having multiple bosses, and sometimes that takes years. That's client acquisition. That is the role of sales and marketing, right? So this 
very nicely connects with what I was talking about yesterday about this mindset shift from becoming, from being a consumer to becoming a producer in particularly with regards to social media, because social media, when you make that shift from being consumer of social media to becoming a producer, all of a sudden you are involved in sales and marketing, particularly marketing, right? Because here's the simple differentiation between the two. Marketing is about acquiring leads. Do you know what I mean by that? Acquiring leads, potential customers, not customers yet. The exchange has not happened. That's the role of sales. The role of marketing is getting all the people to know about your brand and maybe beginning (laughs) some sort of conversation for an exchange of value, meaning your product for their money. Sales happens when that actually, that's that process. Sales is the process of actually Closing the deal, exchanging the money, all the things that need to happen from fact finding to, you know, qualifying the person to making sure they're on the right product, to demoing the right product, to um, writing up a proposal, to negotiating the deal, to closing the deal, to um, delivering the product. That's all sales, all that detail and each of those details can be broken out. For example, I am doing a... um, uh, I'm starting a training next week. It's a uh, the 10x sales and marketing training that I'm doing, and it's uh, you guys could sign up. It's a group coaching program, so it's actually more affordable for you guys uh, than the one to one coaching. A lot of you guys can't afford that. I mean, you know, if you sign a six month contract, it's fifteen hundred dollars a month. I have plenty of co- clients like that, but a lot of you guys have messaged me and let me know that you can't afford that level yet because you're new. Uh, you're still a worker bee and you got this salary and you're trying to figure out your budget. So I, so I developed this um, other pro, uh, program that's a group coaching, right? So you're going to be in with 10, 15 other people. It's still live. You could still ask me questions. Uh, we do it over uh, Google Meet. I, I, I'm just not a Zoom guy. I like Google Meet. I'm more familiar. It integrates with my calendar. Uh, anyway, we do it. And then the great thing is, is you also get access to Cardone university, which is the number one sales and train, uh, sales and marketing training platform on the planet. It's amazing. So you get complete access to that, which has like 8,000 different training videos, all these different certification programs. But the, the, in addition to that, we have a weekly call where we go over, I assign you homework. We go over your questions live. It's really an amazing thing. If you guys are uh, interested in that, we are actually starting next week. So uh, it's 10x RevGen, like revenue generation, right? 10x RevGen will take you to the page um, depending on the length of the contract you sign. So if you do one-to-one coaching with me, that is depending on the length of the contract. You sign a one-month contract, it's $3,500 a month because I'm going to have to work my ass off to really make sure that that one month of coaching uh, works because I'm a results driven guy. That's the point of coaching. I'm not your therapist. I don't want to hear about mommy and daddy and what, you know, somebody beat you up or called your names. I don't want to hear about that. I want results. Okay. And so if you're only going to sign up month to month 
it's a lot more work for me to make sure that works. So it's $3,500 a, a, a month. If you sign up for a three-month contract, $2,500. If you sign up for six months, $1,500. If you sign up for a year, it's $1,000. That's how I make sure if you commit to me, I'm committed to you, we'll rock. That's one-to-one. It's a little more expensive. Um, and I'm very grateful all those clients that have that have been working with me over the years. But for those of you that couldn't afford that, 10x RevGen is going to be the way to work with me. And and in addition to all my experience, my motivation, my accountability, uh, you're also going to get access uh, to Cardone University, which is uh, a $1,500 a month or $1,500 a year value. So that's $1,500. Boom. You get totally included for free uh, in addition to the to the uh, group coaching with me. So check out 10 revgen com if you guys are interested or dm me we are starting next week okay so uh this is one of those things and listen here's another thing i I was talking about the hidden meaning of words and i talked about the etymology and what's the original meaning of the word speed you can google this etymology what's the original meaning word speed success you got to stop dicking around man i'm just this isn't a sales pitch i'm just telling you if you I don't want to bore you with all the fucking things that I've done because I've done some fucking badass shit and I'm 48 and I'm just getting fucking started. But the reason I did that is because I don't fucking hesitate. What do they say? He who hesitates masturbates. Maybe you're into that shit, but I'm actually into creation, into growth, into creating fucking magical babies and shit. You cannot do that through masturbation. You cannot do that through hesitation. DM me. Let's go. Go to TEDxRevGen. Let's figure this out. Get on the phone. We'll, I'll get you the forms. We can get it all set up tonight. Um, but I want to go back. So like, you know, the deal is, is that like with um, these identity traps, they literally want to put you in a box. They want to limit you. Freedom is the opposite. Freedom is being freed from a box saying, I am so much more than being white or being male or being 48. I mean, these are all just small little parts of who I am. You know, there's no box for fucking uh, wrestler. There's no box for um, uh, business development nerd. There's no box for author. There's no box for family man. There's no box for um, a guy who donates his time to dog rescue or uh, homelessness or the innocence project or Where's all that shit? You know what I mean? Because they want to, they want to paint you into a certain thing. So part of this first pillar of greatness is getting real. That's what I call it. Okay. Getting real. But it's also for some people, it's rock bottom. I, when I was first discussing this concept, I think a week or two ago, um, I was talking about, you know, there was a period after I had cancer as a kid, I just was fucked up in the head, right? I was really fucked up. I stopped working out. I started drinking, started doing a bunch of drugs. Just everything got fucked up. I was really traumatized. I didn't have uh, mentorship to help me. I just was really fucked up. Hey, what's up, Tony? Oh, thanks, man. I'd like to think I'm a role model, but you know, I don't know who's Dennis Robin said I'm not a role model. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, leadership is important. I don't know about role model because I'm, I got plenty of, fu- you know, I make mistakes like a motherfucker, but that is the speed part, right? I'm not afraid of failure. This is another box. 
Yeah, guess what? I could have the box failure. I fucking, I wrote, I had a, oh, Charles Barkley. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Like, um, I did a podcast last week on every failure, not every failure, shit, that would be like 10 weeks of podcasts, but on my business failures, right? But is that my checkbox? Is that my identity? No. And especially because if you say failure, that means something different to different people. To me, failure means that you got fucking guts. It means that you're willing to go out there and, and fucking fail. Push yourself beyond your fucking capacity. That's what failure means to me. Now, failure also could be you're a lazy piece of shit, right? I mean, that's, you could be a failure. For, I don't know is my point. So the problem is, is these words and these language, they form identity traps. This is what I fucking hate about psychiatry. Okay. I fucking hate it. Thomas Zaz, another huge, I've had some, some people that I really have changed my life and I consider mentors. Many of them I knew personally, I was able to do Thomas Zaz's last in-depth radio interview. That is like, man, that is a feather in my cap. Nobody else gives a fuck. I do though. This guy was brilliant. He held the entire industry of all these wanky finger wagon mother evil motherfuckers, people fucking lobotomizing people and saying it was legit. Okay, they're still around. They're called psychiatrists. It's mostly a scam built upon identity traps, cloaked in medical language. It's not actually medical. Okay, when they label you with ADHD, when they label you depressed, when they label you schizophrenic, when they la- there's no fucking Medical, these are med, what are known as ink horn terms. Prestige jargon. Bullshit. It's language that sounds medical, but there's nothing medical about it. Right? But, but words have this power over people. And so, you know, you get labeled ADHD and all of a sudden you get stuck in this trap. Oh, I can't do it because I... Bullshit. It's bullshit. Tom Cruise understands this because he's a Scientologist, okay? I'm not a Scientologist. I don't give a shit about Scientology. It's fine. Believe what you want. You can be fucking Christian, Buddhist, Scientologist. I don't care, okay? But the Scientologists are aligned, and and Thomas Zaws was an atheist. I consider myself an agnostic. I'm not an atheist. I'm a spiritual person. Um, But that doesn't mean I can't agree with what Thomas Zaws was saying, Thomas Zaz was vilified, pounded, fired, all these things because he was merely standing up and saying, okay, all this shit that you guys are doing, he was a psychiatrist. He got his MD and then went and became a psychiatrist and became psychiatry's biggest critic, okay? And he stood against all of this onslaught because he was right. And he stood there for 50, 60 years and his ideas are still being vindicated today. Despite all this bullshit, this, this like medicalization, The only people, (coughs) excuse me, I'm getting fired up. The only people that actually would back Thomas Zods financially to help him spread this word were the Scientologists. So all the Scientologists, whether you're talking Tom Cruise or, you know, somebody who is in on this, you can read it in um, uh, Be Obsessed or Be Average is Grant Cardone. He gets it too because the Scientologists created the, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. 
Okay, it's it's a separate organization. They funded it. They founded it with Thomas Zaws because of the identity traps being created by the pharmacological industrial complex to get everybody on these fucking psych meds and to turn into chemically lobotomized cash flows because the 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 normal lobotomy you couldn't turn it into money but if they could get you hooked on this shit because they called you a fucking name that's it oh you're depressed okay i'm not saying that people who suffer from depression anxiety uh ptsd uh uh attention i'm not saying that people don't have life problems that is fucking clear i'm not saying that people aren't suffering what i'm saying is that the solution is not to be found in a fucking pill and it is not necessarily a permanent fucking solution but once you put a label an identity trap on somebody it becomes very much a nocebo Do you know what a nocebo is? Do you know what a placebo is? Yeah, that interview with Thomas Zaz, uh, Tony's uh, asking me, is on YouTube. Go to, uh, let's see, I'm going to create another banner here. It's N-O-1, or N, yeah, N-O, like the name of my podcast, number one, N-O-1.ninja. Scroll down, look for Thomas Zaz, S-Z-A-S-Z is his last name. I have a full like two hours with, or an hour and a half or something crazy like that. Um, one of the most brilliant guys has so many great books. You can, he has other interviews, things that he's done. Um, fan, uh, fantastic. So, so um, okay. It's no1.ninja. That's all my past shows. Not only the interview with him, I have an interview uh, that I did with Jesse Ventura up there. I have an interview with, the basis from Nirvana, actually nothing to do with music, had to do with his interest in voting systems and why our current voting system is so caveman compared to some of these other more brilliant systems. Um, anyway, no1.ninja, check it out, all those old stuff. Anyway, so a placebo is when the doctor says to you, hey man, and it, it's like, he's got like a fucking Tic Tac, like a sugar pill. It, it ain't nothing. It ain't got nothing. It's just fucking sugar. But you don't know that. And he says, this thing, whatever your problem is, is going to cure it. And you like, he's in a white lab coat and he's an authority figure like, oh, okay. You take it and it does. But it wasn't the fucking sugar pill. It was the belief and the power of belief that he bestowed upon you through lying. So... Here's a big problem, right? There's a code of medical ethics, and I believe in it. I actually believe it's known as principalism. It came out of the Nuremberg Code after all the fucking atrocities that Nazi doctors did during World War II. We hung people about for the, these things. Things that are going on today, by the way, and nobody's getting hung. So, uh, you know, you might want to fucking wake the fuck up. Um, but, you know, medical ethics is is... Uh, there's these ideas of principalism, right? And it's like um, primum non nocere, right? The Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm, right? The second is informed consent. And then there's like two other ones. One has to do with like uh, justice. And I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. I think it's a great code just 
for like political systems and, and even a personal code of ethics. It's called principalism. You can look it up. Bioethical principalism came out in the Nuremberg Code. Anyway, the problem with the placebo is that it actually violates informed consent because you have to lie to the uh, to the person to make it happen, right? And so um, there, there's a brilliant um, guy. He's a critic of, um, I think he's out of Harvard, Irving Kirsch, K-I-R-K. S-C-H, Irving Kirsch. Um, he wrote a book, I think it's called the, uh, the Emperor's New Drugs. And it's about the fact that like, if you Google Prozac and placebo, you can see that Prozac, placebo works better than a fucking Prozac. And you get none of the fucking fucked up side effects. <laughs> right? Total scam. This is like criminal fucking behavior, but nobody seems to give a fuck. Anyway, a placebo is when you have a positive belief, somebody gives you the sugar pill and they're like, oh, this is going to heal you. And it does, but it's not the pill. It's your own personal power of belief. It's an incredible thing that is in your system. That's why, you know, people are like, oh, it's just the placebo effect. I'm like, just, that shit's fucking amazing. That is the very basis by which we judge the efficacy of any medicine is if it actually performs better than a placebo, like, right? So placebo is amazing and powerful. But so is nocebo. Nocebo is the opposite. I give you that sugar pill, but I'm like, dude, this motherfucking shit's cyanide. And you take it and you get ill and get all fucked up because of beliefs. That's what psychiatric diagnosis is when it has no, what's, when it's missing what is known as somatic pathology. Somatic pathology is actual science, real science, not scientism, not shit that sounds like science, but it's actually pseudoscience, science, real science, somatic pathology. Look it up. Somatic Pathology, somatic meaning body, pathology meaning method. So what you do is you actually get a slide with a fucking biopsy, a blood sample, some sort of fucking scan where you can see a real lesion, something really happening. Okay? Not some cluster of concepts and bullshit. Okay? I'm just being real here. These identity traps are being used to trap you. Whether it's identity politics, whether it's diagnoses for shit, whether it's your own beliefs, whether your your friends or somebody says that you're too much this or too little that. If you want to be free, part of getting real with this is breaking free of these identity traps. <laughs> it's hard. It's not easy. You know, so this is a deep, deep, deep topic. Okay. And I get fired up. I'm, you know, well, I'm not sorry, but, uh, I get fired up of it because I think it's important. Right. And I think in, in terms of like, again, this, this idea that I have this talk about wrestling with greatness and the five parts, the very first part is getting real. And when I say getting real, that means breaking out of the identity trap. So, you know, like when I, after I got, you know, I had uh, been a wrestler, got my black belt taekwondo, and then boom, 15 years old, I get hammered with cancer. And constantly doctors, oh, you're sick. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. And just fucking hammered. People fucking surgering on me, putting chemicals, exposing me to radiation. And just my brain is just fucked up. I'm going through puberty. 
and I'm like bald. I weigh I'm six foot, 117 pounds. Like just my identity is just getting fucking hammered. And, uh, and then I start doing drugs because I'm in just so much pain. <laughs> I don't like, you know, I tried therapy, didn't fucking do shit. I'm like wanting results. I'm like, this is bullshit. I don't want to talk about shit in the past. I want to solve this and move forward. Nothing was working. And I remember I had this moment where like, I, it was spring break. I mean, you know, I was an only child, so I had zero fucking social skills with people my own age. I was great with adults, right? But um, it's spring break, my freshman year, and I'm fucking alone. I got no friends. I'm fucking super out of shape. Uh, just got down to a cancer like two year, a year and a half prior, doing too many fucking drugs, not taking my schooling seriously. I mean, I'd gotten a scholarship to school, right? Oh, Tony's talking about NLP. Okay, yeah, it's mostly bullshit too. Um, there's some good stuff in it, but it's a lot of it's, uh, it's the same prestige fucking jargon with no real founding like foundation in science some of it's okay most of it's bs i think the stuff that does work can be found for free when you look up hypnosis but again the word hypnosis has so much fucking baggage if you go and you look at any movie or book where the main character is a hypnotist they're a fucking evil manipulative scumbag so it's got, I think that, you know, I think now like they're, they're putting it in different language, which I think is good. Cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I think there is some empirical data to support that. NLP is kind of a, it's a, it's a marketing term and language. Um, there's some useful stuff, but again, some of it is creepy and manipulative. And um, I, I explored it in depth. I just don't like it. Uh, not to say that there isn't, um, useful stuff. Right. And, and so I dropped it and I, I, I no longer do hypnotism or any of that just because of the baggage of the fucking language. Right. I don't like it. Um, but I do consider myself a language artist and a writer. And I do think that these are powerful, powerful things to grasp. And, you know, another great quote that, that Thomas Zaz said with regards to this identity trap concept. Okay. And di being diagnosed, you know, all this kind of stuff. As he said, it used to be the law of the jungle was eat or be eaten. But in the modern age, it's define or be defined. So you have to really take serious this idea of owning and, and defining who you are, despite what anybody else fucking says. And especially... If you plan on greatness, okay, if you plan on any kind of greatness, you're going to get fucking haters, period. Look at anybody. This is where like something like Google is so easy. Type somebody in that you like. I don't know who it is. Who, who are you into right now? Fucking, uh, I'm so old. I got bad references. Like look at Britney Spears. Okay. This is how old I am. So look at Britney Spears. You type in Britney Spears or Paris Hilton. You type in love Britney Spears, you'll get tens and tens and tens of pages of content. If you type, Hey, Britney Spears or Hey, Paris Hilton, you're going to get tens and tens or Tom Cruise or who the fuck. Okay. You're going to, it's, it's, you cannot escape duality on this plane of existence. So if you're going to make a big impact, you're going to have fucking fans and you're going to have fucking haters and critics period.
It just comes with expansion. Okay, it's the way you can't escape duality in this plane of spirituality. Okay, but if you want to continue your growth and, and, you know, the thing is this, you want to be great, in my opinion, especially if you have a mission, if you feel like what you're doing is, is important and you feel that you want to help people. You have a moral fucking obligation and duty to be great and do the best you can. And that means take on some haters. Okay? But that is important. Why it's important for you to have a strong definition and that you define yourself. So you're not defined by the haters or even defined by your fans. Okay? You don't want to get caught into the illusion of who people think you are whether it's good or bad, you need to define who you are for yourself. That is called integrity in integrity, right? I think the best definition of that is, you know, doing the right thing, whether people are watching or not, but I add because you're watching, that is the basis of all true self-esteem is integrity, doing the right thing when nobody's watching because you're watching. You don't esteem somebody who lies, steals, hurts people, any of that kind of stuff. Most people don't, unless you're a psychopath and you don't care. But like most, 99% of the population, they don't hold people in high esteem that do that. Well, what the fuck do you think? You're a witness to your own experience. What do you think your own estimation of yourself is going to be when you're doing that shit? Even if nobody else sees it, you're seeing it, Right? So you have to define who you are and know who you are, no matter what anybody says, okay? That is being free of the identity trap. The way you free yourself from the identity trap of others is to create a strong identity for yourself, okay? And that is the first part of changing, shifting from, say... The identity, and maybe these identities are non-aware. Like, are you aware of your identity as a consumer? You consume like a motherfucker. Right now, you're consuming social media. You're consuming my, my broadcast. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, are you aware? And do you have an awareness of your being a producer? Because you are producing something, but what are you producing? Are you producing negativity? Are you whining? Are you complaining? Are you making excuses? What are you producing? What is your identity? Identity is not, okay, Tony asked, how do you find it? This is another great Thomas Zaz quote. Identity is not something you find. You don't go out and search to find yourself. Identity is something you create and something you defend and you fight for. So you need to sit down. This is that man in a mirror moment that I talked about about the first pillar of greatness that you have to get real. You have to have that maybe rock bottom moment. Maybe you have to have that man in the mirror conversation. Does that make sense? It's something you create. Okay. So like a huge hero of mine. Okay. So I let's talk about some of my mentors and my heroes. Some of them I know, some of them I've never met. Thomas Oz, very lucky to know. Carl Gotch, lucky to know. Billy Robinson, man, that guy was my, my fucking coach for seven years. Holy shit. 
Um, but I have other ones that I've never met. <laughs> One of them is fucking 50 Cent, the rapper. I fucking love that guy. I, I read all his books. He's written on, do you know he's written like a bunch of books on success? And they're great. Right? So, you know, like you can start designing some of what you want to be and who you want to be by now, this is one thing that NLP talks about that is valuable. And that's this idea of modeling people, not copying, modeling, looking up to people. It's just a fucking fancy word. Looking up to them and trying to uh, um, invoke some of their spirit, some of their qualities and living up to what, what the, these ideals that they seem to represent for you, right? Modeling, okay, is another stupid inkhorn term for a simple concept. So, um, I think what you have to do is you have to really get real. You have to look at like, what fucking identities, where, where have I been defined and where am I defining myself? So where have you been defined by other people? Maybe your race, maybe your gender. I mean, I can understand to some extent these fucking weirdos on the left sometimes when they're like, well, gender is a construct. It is. It is. But you also have to respect the fact that if you were born with fucking testicles, like, like, and, and, and you had a, a sex change when you're 25, you, your body grew as a man. You're going to understand why I don't think it's fair for you to go compete with my daughter in a sport. Like, that's not fair. You need, you can still compete in a sport, but you need to maybe be in your own uh, trans league or something. That makes sense to me. So you're competing apples to apples here. But it's, it's not apples to apples if it's actually an orange and I just fucking call it an apple. That's not apples to apples. That's apples to orange called an apple. That's different, right? So, so my point is, is, you have to make these differentiations as to like, what is the fucking identity trap you find yourself in? Where is the limit? What is being imposed? What box, what fucking checkbox are you in that is stopping you? Right? You don't want to be on your deathbed, whether you're 90 or you're 15 dying of cancer with regrets because of your own fucking hangups. You have to take responsibility for your life. Stop fucking blaming other people. You have to like look at what are these fucking traps that are being foisted on yourself. You have to be savvy. You are not broken. You're not. Unless you fucking believe and then that's a nocebo. You're doing that because of your own fucking shit. Right? So so what what definitions are being put on you? I mean, look, look, I'm a guy that, that loves wrestling. I got a fucking pencil neck. Now that's because I fucking have a collapsed carotid artery from wrestling. I fucking broke it and it was radiated. Like I got reason. That don't fucking stop me. Do you know how many fucking people like make comments online and rag on me when they see me because my image doesn't is not congruent with what their image of a wrestler is. I mean, I'm a tall, lanky dude with a long fucking neck that's been irradiated, broken, and fucking has a carotid dissection. 
I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry, but what I'm saying is like, fuck off. I don't give a fuck. And this is what the thing is, is like my passion for wrestling, my contributions to wrestling, my investments in wrestling far outweigh your whack-ass little lame fucking ass, uh, assertions. The, the haters don't fucking matter. They don't. You just keep producing. See, that is my identity. I'm a producer. I'm a creator. Right? I'm not a hater. I'm a creator. Maybe 50 Cent will use that in his next his next shit. I don't know. Doubt it. But my point is, is that we did a couple months ago, um, for sure, okay? Thales coaching, nobody can pronounce it. They all think it's Thales, like Mike Tyson talking about sales. It's not. It's Thales. Why? I've explained it before. He's number one, number one on many things. So I'm kind of tweaking it a little bit. I'm going to keep the company name Thales because I love the guy and I think it's important for people to explore what that guy means. Uh, but to simplify the branding, calling it number one coaching, taking you from no one to number one in your field. Um, if I can help you with writing a book, authority-coaching.com, I'm there for you. You can go read some of my writings. I have a bunch of my old books like Anomaly and whatnot up for free, mentalselfdefense.com, as well as you can check out some of my old radio shows. Uh, what else? Oh, I just started a sales and marketing course. Uh, and business development, 10xrevgen.com. You can check that out. If you want to see all the old stuff that I've done uh, on radio, including past episodes of this show, which I highly recommend. I, they build on each other. A lot of the concepts build on prior um, uh, shows. Check out no one, number one, ninja, number one dot ninja. That'll take you to all the old archives. And last but not least, please, 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 Pick up a mace bell. Dude, greatest thing ever. It's so simple, man. I mean, I invented it. It's nuts. I can't, you know, whatever. It's amazing. Once you start swinging, it's totally addictive. You can see why everybody's getting all crazy about it. Anyway, I appreciate you guys. I do got my heart stop. I got to get on with my client, like literally right now. So I appreciate you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. Welcome to the Num One Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the timeless journey from no one to number one. I'm your host, Jake Shannon.